0: Now everybody in here knows what supply and demand is, right? We all understand kind of the basic concept. I'm not going to teach you anything new about supply and demand that you don't know today. Um, <laughs> so, but, but we understand that if there's, if there's a low supply, high demand, there's only a few of the thing, and everybody wants it, it's expensive, it's valuable, right? It's what makes gold and diamonds valuable is, is their rarity, and of course the, the value we put on it, the fact that we keep saying we want more of it. Um, and we know that that in reverse, if there is an extremely high supply of something, if there's a, a ton of it, if there's a lot of it, uh, there, unless there's just a huge, a huge demand for it, the price for that, of course, plummets. So if there's, if there's too much of something, it doesn't have uh, a lot of value. And uh, I feel like I'm setting myself up for some, some booze here or something <laughs> here. But uh, the Bible is a book with almost endless supply. Almost endless, and I'm talking about physically the books of the Bible that they uh, that we buy about 20 million Bibles every year in America. There's more like 100 million, you know, every 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 year worldwide. But and just constantly, constant flow of Bibles, and and you know most of them aren't destroyed, so we have just Bibles piled up everywhere. And then in addition to, of course, the physical Bibles that you have, now you can go to you know your computer and access the Bible. You can go on the internet, access the Bible. You can get on your phone and access the Bible. So if if you suddenly really, really needed a Bible, it doesn't matter almost anywhere you are in the world, certainly almost anywhere you are in America, within five minutes, if you had to, if your life depended on it, you could find a Bible, no problem, and it probably wouldn't cost you a thing. Um, you can buy a Bible at the dollar store. You can get one just about anywhere. You're gonna find it in your hotel. You're gonna find it at the library. You're gonna find it in your atheist friend's house. Sitting on the floor, you know, by, by the bookshelf, it's it's just everywhere. So there's this huge, huge supply of Bibles. Yet they still do have they still do have a value. You go into a, a Christian bookstore, and you know, like I said, you, have, you can get it at the dollar store, but you're gonna find the nice ones at the at the uh, Christian bookstore. And and the reason is, uh, people like us, particularly people in in uh, ministry, that we go and we buy Bibles for people at our churches. You know, for the youth group here, every year when the, when the uh, graduation rolls around, we buy Bibles for our graduates. We always want to get them nice ones. So we're not going to the dollar store and buying a dollar, dollar store Bible. We're buying them something that we want to last a while and be good. And so uh, really, I, in my opinion, from what, I, from what I've seen and experienced, the, the, the fact that you can still buy an expensive Bible is based more on giving away of Bibles than actually buying one for yourself. Um, So the book itself has very little value, and this is why I said I'm setting myself up for booze here, right? To tell you in church that the Bible doesn't have much value is, is, I I get it, offensive. Uh, But what's inside of it is invaluable, it's not the book, it's what's inside of the book. You can have the book and have no value, just have it sitting on a shelf, but it's what's inside of the book that has value. value. Because the Bible is not the Word of God, it has the words of God in it. Yeah. You've got to open it up, it's not the word on the cover that says Holy Bible that is God's Word, it's, it's the words inside that are God's Word. The Bible says, in in, for in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. In this beautiful reflection of Genesis one one, in the beginning God created the heavens and earth. In the beginning was the Word. What is that Word? We were talking about this yesterday. What is that Word? Anybody know? Jesus. I heard a couple of people say it. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were made by Him. It goes on, and and it makes it very clear in John chapter 1. The Word that was in the beginning, that was with God, the Word that was God is Jesus Christ. That Word has power. And how many in this room could use a word from God? Yeah? Yeah? Because that Word that spoke life in the beginning, you know, it speaks life into us today. We can use a word from God. Revelation of the word of God is valuable, but it will cost you. Dr. Haller has an incredible revelation of the word of God. Our apostle has an incredible revelation of the word of God, but it didn't just just come to him because he was bored. (laughs) He He spent a lot of nights, he spent a lot of days, a lot of years studying the Word of God and, and it's time with God, asking God, what is this? What do you have for us? What does this mean? What are you saying to us? It's not a price you can't pay, though. And listen, it's not that you, I'm not telling you that you have to be Dr. Holler and dedicate your, your whole life to the study of the Word of God. That's, that's the path he's chosen. But you do need the revelation of God in your life. And it's going to cost you, but it's a price you can pay. So as, as, I'm, as I was preparing this message, I always want to think, you know, that I can leave a tool in your hand, because God wants you to understand the Word of God. He wants you to be able to read the Word of God and get something out of it. We are are blessed that we do have this endless supply of Bibles, and you can access the Word of God anywhere. It's no longer in Latin or Greek or some other language that you cannot or are not allowed to understand. Uh, It is accessible to you, and you can open it up and learn from it, and you can receive revelation from God. And uh, so I want to put a tool in your hand today to help you know how you can understand the Word of God. And we are going to open up, we're in Romans, right? We're in Romans chapter 15, that's where I want you to turn, Romans 15, as we're getting ready here. And I'm turning here myself, I know they'll get it on the screen for us. So that my... Uh, I realized this morning that my sermon didn't have a a title, so I I, I did come up with the title of this sermon, and and it is Building Expectation. So I want want to start a little story for you here before before we read this verse uh there was a there was a rich man a wealthy man a businessman he was a, you know he was an entrepreneur he had his fingers in a lot of businesses and he was he was doing very very well for himself he had finally you know he was married he had finally gotten to a place in his life where he felt like he could have a kid he had this son his only son and uh a few years go by and you know we we all like immediately you're buying your kid gifts right you're buying your kid something right away i mean I know you guys have already got presents probably galore for this kid, but, but he doesn't really care. <laughs> he doesn't care. He doesn't know about them. And then, you know, first year you buy him a gift, and, and they maybe pay a little attention to it, you know, when they're a year old. But they they forget about it a year later. And then, like, every every birthday, though, it's like a new marker, and you're like, this year is the one where they're going to remember what I got them, where they're going to actually care, where they're going to get excited opening up the present and seeing what's inside and so this man he's like, you know he's like four years old, he feels like this is the birthday where he's going to start to remember and recognize gifts, so he wants to get his son you know some good gifts, and he didn't go too extravagant. it's still a four year old but you know he's buying him he's buying him all these classic games, he's buying him, sorry, he's buying him you know a little he bought him a little game system that he could play with. Crazy kids you know these days you know are playing yeah my four year old is addicted to to video games uh but you know and he's he's buying him all these cool stuff and other family members are over too and and the kid opens up one present uh, from his aunt and it's a it's a pink polka dotted uh ping pong paddle and there's a ball with it you know it's just just one ping pong paddle, just so you can bounce a ball and the kid loves it like everything else he ignores it's just that and then the next day it just dad never, never sees it again doesn't know what happened to it it doesn't doesn't know what, what the son did with it, but uh, it was clearly his favorite gift. And uh, so years go by, and on his 10th birthday, the the dad is like, okay, this is a big one. I'm going to ask my son, you know, what do you want for your birthday? And you tell me, you tell me what you want. Like, I'm, you know, wealthy guy, you can get him what he wants. So he's like, you tell me if, if anything, if you could have anything, what do you want for your birthday? The boy thinks about it. He says... I want a set of pink polka-dotted ping pong paddles. <laughs> Two of them. So the dad doesn't understand, doesn't, you know, okay, that's that's strange, but okay. So he uh he buys him the ping pong paddles and figures, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up my game a little bit on this. Buys him a ping pong table to go with it, obviously, right? So the son opens up the ping pong paddles, the pink polka dotted ping pong paddles, and he's super excited about this. He's, he's in love with them and uh, thanks his dad. And his dad never sees him once playing ping pong with them. Just, he, open, he doesn't know what he does with them. They just seem to disappear. The son's happy. Everything's good. So years go by, and it's his 16th birthday, and the dad's like, "This is another big one, you know, sweet sixteen uh we're gonna you know what do you want for your birthday? If you could have anything, what do you want for your birthday? son thinks about it. he says, Anything, anything He says, "I want sixteen pink polka dotted <laughs> ping pong paddles so his dad says." but why? I mean, I'll do that, but why? He says, just just want them, okay? And we're going to come back to the story, so I'm going to move on for now. (laughs) Romans 15, (laughs) Romans 15, we're going to start at verse 1. It says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. Verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. You are the great teacher. Jesus We believe that your word and your words have great value, Jesus, that they are in value, but they have more value than we could ever attribute them, Jesus. God, we know that there's more in there than we're ever going to find, than we're ever going to see. But Jesus, we believe that today, your Holy Spirit is going to reveal to us what we need right now, Jesus, that you are going to speak to us, that you are going to build us up, you are going to equip us for this life you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. So, building expectation. We're going to look at three things from this verse, from from, uh, verse 4. It says, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scripture, and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. We're going to look at endurance, encouragement, and expectation. Endurance, encouragement, and expectation. And and before we move on to those specific points, I just want to say, Everything that was written in the past, everything that was written in the scriptures, is for for you, for your benefit, for your encouragement, your endurance, your hope. It is it, it it's great that we can access this this wisdom not from not somebody's Twitter wisdom from yesterday, <laughs> not what Terry Crews said on Instagram yesterday, not you know that, not what your neighbor said on Facebook about politics yesterday, but we get to access what, what God said in in His Word thousands of years ago, and and in a way that he he made it in such a way that it's still applicable to us today. Isn't that a blessing? All right. Endurance. Number one, endurance. It says everything was written so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures, um, embrace the endurance that God has endowed you with. You are capable of enduring far more than you know. There's a, there's a phrase in the song. It says, I'm, I'm not a coward. I've just never been tested. I'd like to think that if I was, I would pass. Uh, there was a man named Booth Tarkington. He was, he was an author, an American novelist. Um, back in the, about the 20s, I think, was, was kind of his high period. And uh, he, he once said this, this phrase about himself. He said, I could take anything that life could force upon me except for one thing, blindness. I could never endure that. And I can relate to that. That sounds, that always has sounded terrifying to me. Like, I mean, some of you guys have thought about this before at some point in your life. Like, what if I went blind? Like, how, how could I survive that? Like, like, how depressed would I be if I went blind? Or if I lost my, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of music. I'm, obviously, I'm a musician. And so the idea of losing my, my hearing, it, it has terrified me at different points in my life. Like, what if or what when that happens, you know? Um. But this man, Booth Tarkington, he, he he had said this phrase that he knew the one thing he could not endure was losing his eyesight, and as luck would have it, I guess one day he looks down at the carpet and realizes that he can't really distinguish the colors anymore, he can't distinguish the patterns anymore, and he goes to the doctor, and one eye is one eye is nearly blind, and the other is going behind it, and. Something happened inside of him, though, that he he re- suddenly realized that this thing that he couldn't endure suddenly didn't scare him so much. Something rose up inside of him, and he actually faced this this trial, this this negative thing in his life. It's definitely a negative thing, right? There's no way. You can't call it a positive thing. But he faced it with joy and with humor. He started, he, he had like, you know, spots floating around in his eyes, and, and he named the big one. He named it Grandfather. He's like, oh, where's, where's he going today, I wonder, you know, as it floats by? Just joking around, and you know, eventually his eyesight went completely, and he had twelve surgeries on his eyes, oh, waking surgeries with just local anesthetic, and you know, uh, but he would he would go be with the other patients during you know during his time between just to encourage them and build them up, and he found that he could endure it, and he he continued writing novels and continuing ed- editing other people's novels once he was blind by dictating to someone someone near him. I mean, this is a, a terrible experience. It's not something I'm wishing on any of us, right? But in this terrible experience, he found that he was stronger than he ever knew. John Milton said, It is not miserable to be blind. It is only miserable not to be able to endure blindness. And that same song I quoted a second ago, it says, said, I've never been tested. It says, I've never had to, knock on wood. Maybe somebody recognizes it. But I know someone who has, which makes me wonder if I could. And uh, this, what, this what this verse is saying is by, by seeing the stories of people in the Scripture and what they endured, we can be built up and know that, hey, what I'm going through, when Paul says my light and momentary hardships as he's being beaten and you know, imprisoned and, and nearly left for dead, you know uh, that, okay, maybe we can go through, maybe we can make it through what we're going through today. Maybe we can make it through. You are anti-fragile. You're just not. You're not just not fragile. You are anti-fragile. You are built to withstand diversity and actually gain from it. You know, it's not always true that what kills, what doesn't kill us, makes us stronger, but there is a lot of truth in it. I mean, it's why vaccines, you know, work. It's why you know, it's why that we, it's why we're able to, you know, get a little bit of something and it actually builds up our tolerance to it. And we get stronger through the things we go through. And you know, if you think about the strongest people you've seen in your life, they're people who have been through it, right? Carolyn House is someone I think of when I think of, of a very strong person. Uh, she's been through a lot, but she uh, you never see her without a smile on her face. You never hear her say a negative word. Abby, you're a very strong person. You've been through a lot, and we're very proud of you. But you know the people that, that, that you admire for their endurance are the people who've been through something. And they've... Gain strength and seeing what strength they have through what they've gone through, and uh, we never want to obviously pursue, uh, you know, anything negative in our life. I'm not like wishing that I could go outside and break my bone right now so I could get stronger and tougher and be a tougher guy. I don't. I don't. You know, my son. My son got a big old cut on his back the other day, and I like encouraged him. I'm like. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, that's nice. That's a big one. That's a good one. Awesome. Let's get it. you get you get the giant band aid. You know, like, yeah. and I'm like, you know, you tell him it's like that's cool. You know, and then I, but I broke it to him like this. I'm like, you know, you don't want to get cut. Like, yeah, we're guys, but we don't want to get beat up or cut. But if we do, we get to brag about it and say, you know, how big yeah. it is. Yeah. So, uh, so. You are anti-fragile. Genesis 39, 19 through 23. Let's look at that. If you could pull that up for me. That is Genesis chapter 39. This is just a little piece of the story of Joseph. So Romans talks about being being inspired by the stories written in the scripture uh, to encourage our endurance. And if there's anybody in the scripture who had to endure a lot, I think Joseph is really the guy, right? He was a little bit of of the... he was a bit a bit of a pain as far as the little brothers go. I mean, if your if your little brother was going around telling you every day that someday you were gonna bow down to him and so was your mom and dad, you'd be a little frustrated with him too. But that was about his only that was about his only sin in the matter, right? Is that he was a little bit he was a little bit uppity. But his brothers then throw him in a pit and to not kill him, to be nice and not kill him, they instead throw, uh, sell him into slavery. And then he, you know, he, he builds up there at Potiphar's house, becomes in charge of everything Potiphar does. And once again, of no fault of his own, this time, this time a woman accuses him of trying to rape her. And he, he's like, no, I'm not going to touch her. But he gets accused and her husband believes her and he gets thrown into prison for it. Uh, that would be a pretty good time to just get depressed, <laughs> to get down in the dumps about what's going on. Uh, in Genesis, sorry, Chapter 39, verse 19. Let's look at that. It says, So it was, when his master heard the words which his wife spoke to him, saying, Your servant did to me after this manner, that his anger was aroused. And then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison, feeling depressed, crying about why God treated him this way. And refusing to eat. Wait, I'm sorry, I got off. <laughs> but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. Which, which is to say, that he put him to work in the prison. Let's yeah. not whitewash that too much. He got he not not only went to prison, but now he, like we're going to go ahead and put you to work here too. <laughs> And the keeper of the prison, the keeper of the prison, did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. We'll stop right there. Now, Joseph, in this terrible situation, prospered. Joseph, in this terrible situation, rose up. He didn't. He didn't. You know, just wallow in self-pity. Instead, he rose up, and he was put in charge of the prison. Now, you can look at it, and there's something a little bit unfair in, about this in verse 21. Is that, and this is, this is a, you know, like, yeah, Joseph did this, but could everyone do this? Because Joseph had a very unique, unique advantage, and that was that the, Joseph, the Lord showed him fav- mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. He didn't just do that himself. God gave him favor in the sight of the prison keeper. You have favor too. You have that same unfair advantage. Grace is God's unmerited favor. You have the favor of God in your life, whether you recognize it or not, whether you do something with it or not. See, Joseph had the favor of God, but he didn't have to do something with it. He still could have wallowed. You have the favor of God. Are you going to do something with it? And because of all the things Joseph endured, because of all the things he went through, and because of the way he endured them, when his opportunity came, he was ready, and he was put over all of Egypt under Pharaoh. Because of the things he went through, he was ready. He would not have been ready when he was just the brother tattletaling on his other brothers. for, you know. uh, But because of the things he endured, and because of the way he endured them, because of the way he took advantage of the favor of God, he was ready when his opportunity came. Your opportunity will come. Your, your last day in prison will come. These things that you're going through will end, If you endure them, and if you endure them with the grace of God, and if you stand up and and prep yourself, get ready, because your opportunity is coming. Number two, encouragement. Be strong and very courageous. It says, once again, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance taught in the Scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Be strong and very courageous. That's the word of God to, to Joshua In the book of Joshua, he says it over and over and over again. We can hammer it into our own heads. Be strong and very courageous. What does it mean to be encouraged? Just a couple of definitions of the English term. It means to give support, confidence, or hope to someone. It means to give support and advice to someone so that they will do or continue to do something. And I ask my kids because... uh, I'm not always the best at coming up with illustrations, and Dr. Holler has taught us to use illustrations in our teaching, you know, use, use these stories. Um, but, but I went ahead and asked my kids, like, what, what does encouragement mean to you? And then I started asking, like, what's the time when you were encouraged? And uh, my son, Tegan, said what to me was the perfect story, which was he went to camp last year for the second time. Camp Resonate. Uh, our children's pastors aren't here, they be. Whooping and hollering because that's it is a this is a great camp. If you have if you have kids that are in the age groups that they can go to that, send them. Like it's it's going to be such a good experience for them. It's such a good chance for them to get to know God and to get to know themselves. Uh, my my son Tegan had gone. Uh, he's gone two years now, and uh, the first year he went, you know, they have zip lines, they have rope swings, they have diving boards, they have all this all this stuff. Night night hikes and just uh it's very adventurous. There's a lot of things to challenge them in uh things they've never done before, things that might scare them. And he, he he pushed himself the first year, but you know, there were still things that scared him. Like he you know, he would not go on no matter much, how much I pushed him to do it. He would not go on the uh the zipline the first year. Uh he's the closest one to me in his in his fear factor, which is nothing, because I was I was a terrified of everything, little kid. I mean everything just terrified me. I was I was the biggest coward you knew. Um, and, and he he has struggled with fear more than my other kids, but nothing like me. because uh, I watched him overcome them in such such incredible ways. But that and this year was one of them that I I decided I wasn't gonna push him, you know, for stuff. I kind of encouraged him about like the zipline and stuff, but I didn't push him. But he decided himself, yeah I'm gonna go on it. But that's not the thing that impressed him. He's not much of a oh you are in here. Did you just come in? I just mentioned you and you were Okay. Um there's our children's pastor taking him to resonate. All right. Um but he he he's barely a swimmer. Uh just hasn't had enough opportunities honestly and I'm no good at teaching him. But he but he did learn to swim last summer a little bit and he would still be kind of like but he'd be like swimming like along the edge and grab. Along the edge and grab, you know, like no, I'm not going to go out like you know, I've throw him out in the forefoot and he'll swim back like the two feet to the three foot, like, you know, almost drown. Um, but while he was at camp resonate, uh, he, he, while well, I was not around him or anything, cause I went as, I went as leader also to help out. And, uh, but he was up at the pool and he said, when I asked him, you know, what, what's the time when you've been encouraged in your life? He said, I saw all the other boys diving off the diving board and I thought I can do it too. So he's, remember, like I said, he's, like, gone in, like, the four-foot, maybe the five-foot, terrified, barely survived it. Um, <laughs> and he climbs up on the diving board and dives off into the, well, it doesn't dive, he jumped. He jumped in the nine-foot. Now, I'll, I'll tell you this, I watched him do it later, because after he told me he did it, he's like, you got to see me do this, Dad, you know, and he he's jumping towards the edge. He's, like, you know, jumping a foot from the wall swim. But he did it. He did it. <laughs> he's, like, he jumping in the, the nine-foot. He, he gained courage from watching those around him do something and realizing, like, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, like this is a this is a safe environment, and that's a, that's another definition of encouragement. Actually, it's a, a slightly different one because my daughter is like, they they encourage you. So that's not really encouragement, but there is. It is because another definition of in, to encourage is to help or stimulate an activity state of you or to develop. Um, when we worship up here. I'm not just encouraging you to worship when I say, hey, sing along in this part. The whole time we are encouraging by trying to create an atmosphere of worship. When we dim the lights a little bit so you're not worried about the people looking at you. You know, when we put the music a little, a little loud so you don't hear yourself so much so nobody hears how, you know, how, whether you sing good or bad, you don't have to worry about that. Those are other ways that you can be encouraged uh, to do something. It's just by the environment. And by seeing others do something. You know, when, when, when one person invests in a stock, it encourages other people to invest in a stock. When, it, when a, you know, a, a well-known investor invests in a stock, it really encourages other people. He doesn't have to tell you to do it. You see he's doing it, and less he tells you, the more you're like, he knows something we don't know. Let's get in on this. Let's do this. That's encouragement. We can find examples of heroes in the Old Testament. Heroes like Moses, like Esther, like David, like Ruth, those are heroes in the Old Testament. Honestly, uh, one that I, I almost almost wanted to talk about is Hagar, but I think maybe we need to have, maybe we, we should talk about that at a different time where we can dedicate more time, because I think, I think there's a great message in the woman of Hagar. Um, but I was trying to think of a story in the in the Old Testament that really stood out to me as, as something that does actually encourage me. And okay, the, the one that came to me is kind of a strange one. It's the story of David and Bathsheba. <laughs> How many of you guys have been encouraged by the story of David and Bathsheba? Probably, I bet bet some of you have, and you're just not catching it right now while I'm saying that. (laughs) Because that's a... Of course, if you're you're familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba, David sees Bathsheba bathing and thinks, hey, she's pretty hot, uh, I wouldn't mind that. So, he's got a couple other wives, but that's okay, you know. She's married, but... He's the king, so he's not too worried about it. So he brings her in and then decides, well, I better kill off her husband. Sends him to the front of the, of the battle in the military. And long enough, even though he's one of, one of his strongest guys, yes, he, he dies. So he kills her husband and then marries her and then gets confronted finally with the fact that what he's done is obviously, obviously, like this is not a surprise, David. This is not one of those accidents or things like you kind of just slipped into. Like you just killed a guy and took his wife. Like, this is clearly bad. You should die for this. And by his own words, he, like, like okay, forget the law. The, the prophet comes to him and says, what should happen to a guy who does this? And he says, kill him. <laughs> you know? And he's like, okay, you're the guy. Oh. Very encouraging, yeah. Um, but, then, no, what's encouraging is that this is the guy, David, is the guy who says, blessed is the one, Psalms 32 one. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Because man, he had some sins. He had some transgressions, didn't he? Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. That gives me confidence because I I know God can forgive me too. It should give you confidence because you can know that God is going to forgive you too. That Jesus' blood was enough to cover David's sin, it's enough to cover your sin. That's not an excuse. The prophet didn't, you know, didn't say, yeah, go ahead and do it again, you know. But, but whatever, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing, whatever mistakes you're going to make, God is aware, okay? It's not surprising to him and he loves you. He has forgiven you. He died on the cross for your sins, and he took them away. And you are the man whose transgressions are forgiven. You are the woman whose sins are covered. You are the one who the Lord does not count sin against. That's you. And so that's encouraging to me. But when I talk about courage, I just want to be clear about one thing. I'm not just talking about overcoming fears. Sometimes you need courage just for mornings. Sometimes mornings are the most discouraging part of your day, right? When you just wake up, you're like, oh, oh no. The things ahead of me, the things I have to do, how am I going to get this done? How am I going to honestly just make it through work today? Like, I, how am I going to make it to work today is hard enough sometimes, right? <laughs> sometimes mornings can pre- be pretty discouraging. But God wants to encourage you. And, and listen, some of us can laugh at that and say, you know, like, yeah, I've felt it. We've all felt that way. Some of you may really struggle in the mornings You may really struggle every day just thinking, how can I make it through today? Be encouraged. Listen, if if Joseph could survive in prison, you can too. You can survive your day. Sometimes stepping outside your front door is what, what takes courage. But God has a plan for you. Encourage yourself. Build yourself up through the Word of God. When I said I want to put a tool in your hand, this is the tool. Read the Word of God with this in mind, you can find revelation just by looking for people and stories that encourage you and say, you know what, if they could go through that, I can go through that. If, they, if, if he can beat the giant, I can beat the giant. Because the same spirit is in him, is in me. Yeah. Yeah. If you're struggling with depression, if you're, if you're struggling with doubts about yourself, lack of self-confidence, if you're, if you're dealing with these things, listen, it, I know it's hard but you can overcome it. You can make it through this day. And after, after 100 days, you're going to look back and say, I can make it through one more. And it, be, it will become easier. And eventually, you can, you, can, you can find your way out of it. You can, you can conquer these things in your life. You can, and making it through 100 days is is conquering it, by the way. If you've made it through 100 days, you've been struggling with this for, for a year, you've been struggling with this for three years, and you're still here today, and you're still getting the word of God in your life. You are a victor. Yeah. You're a conqueror. Uh. Number three, expectation. Oh, speaking of expectation, I need to get back to I need to get back to our ping pong story, right? Okay. So he, we had his 16th birthday, 18th birthday. That's that's the next big one, right? 18th birthday comes around, and uh, the dad's like. You know, he's had kind of weird experiences with this. He really wants to give his son something special for his birthday, um, but he tells him, "Listen, I want you. I want you to really dig deep. I want you to tell me what you want for your birthday." And uh, he said, "Anything. Like you know, you know, I'm I'm doing good. Like I was doing good when you were born. Things are a little bit better right now. Economy's good. Ask ask me, and I'll give you. You know, I'll give whatever you want. Ask me." And so sun sits there thinking. He said, it better not be 18. Uh, <laughs> and the sun says, 100. I want 100 pink polka dotted ping pong paddles for my birthday. And that's. <sighs> okay okay, all right, whatever you say, son, you know, and of course he gets him some other things too, and here's your stupid ping pong paddles, all right, let's move on, and then his 21st birthday, he's like, okay, you're a man today, this is it, you're 21, what do you want for your birthday, I'm like, anything, give me something good, let me, let, me, let me bless you with a good gift this time, and he's like, dad, I want a thousand pink polka dotted ping pong paddles, uh, why why do you just tell me why and he's like it's a secret it's a secret can't tell you right now dad just i want a thousand ping pong paddles you i know you can do it dad you've got you're good for it just that's what i want okay don't question me just that's what i want so not long after this his his son goes off to the military he fights for his country you know and and one day he comes home you know and and it's the biggest relief ever for his dad to finally have his son home, to know his son he survived, to know his son is, is back alive. And so he throws a party for his son, invites family over, invites friends over. And you know, it's kind of like a, a kill the fatted calf moment. My son has returned, you know? And he's like, anything you want. Like, what? I'm gonna get you now. I mean, like, you were a man at 21, but now you're really a man. You've been through the military. Like, you've come back changed. I know you're a new person. What, what can your dad, what can your father give you? And he's like, Dad, you know that little house I'm living in. You know that I I never asked you, you know, for money to help build it. You know, I've 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 found this place, I've built my own home, I've done this, and and but there is something I want from you. He's like, do you think that backyard is big enough for a pool full of pink polka dotted ping pong paddles? <laughs> and is <it laughs> His dad said, "You, you, you have to tell me why," and he says, "Dad, it's, it's a secret, but I promise, I promise that someday I'll tell you. Someday I'll tell you." Expectation. Um, we'll we'll, fin- we'll finish it up, okay? But uh, got a little expectation. Allow allow hope to fill your heart and mind. Allow hope to fill your heart and mind. It says that the endurance and the and the encouragement taught in the Scripture will produce hope in you. Uh, Hebrews 12.2. Why did Jesus endure the cross? For the hope set before him. Or for, actually it says for the joy set before him, which is his hope of you, of me. We were the joy set before him. We were the reason he endured the cross. You need to find the joy set before you. You need to find Something to hope for. Something to believe in. I, uh, Our kids have been sick, and they finally got to get out of their room yesterday. Uh, they're still sick. It's just now everybody's sick, so it's just like, eh, whatever. You know, <laughs> run amok. Um, so they finally got to get out, all get together, and they're playing games, and they get out Mousetrap. How many of you guys have played Mousetrap? Yeah. Okay. Classic game you build. Now, i got to say... I realized, I played it with them once yesterday, and I realized, I don't think I've ever played it before. I think, like, as a kid, maybe I started to build it, and, like, eh, forget that. I helped my kids build it another time, and then, but I, I never really played it before. That is a terrible, terrible, pointless game. Like, it takes so long to set up, everything's always fallen over, and just, like, and there's just this, like, the mousetrap is basically irrelevant. There's, like... A one in a thousand chance that maybe somebody's going to get trapped by the mouse, by the mouse trap, at some point in this game. If you're familiar with it, you know what I'm talking about. It's it's not a good game at all. That's why they spent 30 minutes building it yesterday and they played it once. I'm like, why don't you guys play it again? Like, eh, you know, like, I'm like after all that work, you might as well play it again. Um, and so they they did decide to play it again. I, I came back home from from. Uh, one of our practices or something yesterday, and, and they were they were sitting there playing it, and they're like, "Daddy, you can join in and be on Truly's team." I'm like, "That sounds like a lot of fun." <laughs> so, uh, and I, I didn't, but about about thirty seconds later, they're like, "Yay, Tr- Truly!" By the way, is my, my two year old? They're like, "Yay, Truly won!" And I'm like, "I'm like, yes, I won again." And they're like, "You didn't. You weren't on her team. You weren't on her team. You didn't win." And that's true. The only thing that stopped me from winning was not joining her team. Uh, the only thing stopping you from winning. Listen, salvation is about believing in Jesus. When you believe, you have already crossed from death to life. Our righteousness comes by faith, by grace through faith. Our part is faith. We join Jesus' team. He's the winner. We win by association. Okay, We, we have hope because of our association with Christ, because he has already conquered. He has already been the, the victor over the grave. He already went there, came back. Okay, he got the t-shirt. Um, When you team up with Jesus, you are a winner. You are a victor. And you can have hope in your life. You can have a good expectation of good things to come, because you know that Jesus is bringing good things in your life. You know that he will. You can have hope from the beginning, because you already know the end. Now, in all this, we are building a cycle, because there's something kind of counterintuitive in the way that this verse is laid out. Uh, It talks about learning what's taught in the scripture, the encouragement and endurance taught in the scripture, that through the endurance and encouragement, we might have hope. Now, it's kind of obvious that if you have hope, you have a reason to endure. That when you have hope, you have encouragement, right? Like, like, but some and we try to often do it that way. We try to find hope and then and then build our endurance and encouragement. You know, like like, oh, I have a chance of doing this, then okay, I'll keep I'll keep enduring. I'll keep going through this because I have a chance. I'll 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 go I'll encourage myself and build myself up because yes, it is likely for me to succeed at this right now in my life. Um But it says the opposite. It says that you're gonna have hope through endurance and encouragement. Sometimes you may not feel or see the hope in your life, but if you begin to live a lifestyle of endurance, if you begin to be a person who endures, a person who is, who is strong, a person who will, be, who will take courage, who will have courage in whatever situation comes your way, it's going to build hope in you. Because you're going to discover, like, like Tarkington, that you are strong, stronger than you knew. And it is a cycle because once you have that hope, yes, it is obvious that once you have hope, it gives you a reason to go on. It gives you a reason to endure, a reason to have courage, especially when you know that your hope is not one that will be taken advantage of, that you are going to be the victor in the end. You are going to be a victor. So it's a good cycle. And wherever you're at in that cycle, jump on. If you're going through something, build your endurance in it. If you need some courage, Take courage, make some decisions, do something, take some action, and then let that let that hundred days give you hope because you've made it through a hundred days. I have hope I can make it through one hundred one. I can do that it's a it's a it's a great thing, so we are we are done here, unless you guys want to hear the rest of the story about the, okay okay. I feel like I feel like I need to to pray and, and kind of do that first at this point, though. Um, so I'm going to give you leave you hanging for a second. But if you if you would all bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment, if there's anybody in this room and you you have not believed in Jesus, you or you've never you never heard it put that way that all it takes is is believing. Listen, there is a there is a walk of faith, there is a a, a life that honors God, but there's a difference between that and salvation. Your salvation is not come by your walk. <laughs> it doesn't come by, by a life that honors God. You, you, you're not going to get there that way. You need the Holy Spirit in your life. You need to be on that winning team. Our salvation, our righteousness, our right standing with God comes Through believing in Jesus and his finished work on the cross. That Christ died for your sins according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That is the good news. It's good news because your sin is done away with, past, present, and future. It is all accomplished in Jesus. When he said it is finished, it is finished. You don't have to deal with that now. He's dealt with it. You don't have to make it right. He made it right. He justified you. So if you've never believed in Jesus for your salvation, we want to ask you right now to raise your hand so we can pray with you. I want to give you this opportunity to receive the free gift of salvation by grace, through faith. Your part is faith, just believing, just confessing that, yes, Jesus, I believe that you've done that, and I accept your righteousness, not my righteousness. Your goodness, not my goodness. If that's you right now, I just want you to raise your hand real high so I can see it. Everybody else has their heads bowed. Just give you a second. All right. Thank you, Jesus. We are all family God here. God, I ask that you'd bless your people in Jesus' name. God, thank you for this family. Thank you for this body of Christ, Jesus. Thank you that your word is alive in them, God, and that they're going to go home and they're going to open up your word, God, and that they're going to give your word, that you're going to give that book value by using it, God, and that they're going to open up and see the encouragement and the endurance. Of uh, in these stories, God in Your Word, and that it will build endurance, and courage, and expectation in them. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, should I finish it? Okay. So, expectation. So the son gets married. You know, he he's uh he's got a nice life established for himself at this point. He's got a house with a pool full of pink ping pong polka dotted ping pong paddles. So that's good. Uh, he he gets married, and. Uh, before the wedding, the dad says, "You know what? This is this is like one of the one of the next big transitions in your life. You know, you're going to have a lot more responsibility now. You know, I imagine some kids are on the way for you. Like, this is a life-changing experience. I have the ability to do something amazing for you in your life, and I I want to give you something. I want to I want to bless you and and prepare you for your future. What can I What can I do for you? What can I give you? And the son says." Dad, I see, I see a business. I want a business. I have, I, I, I see factories and transportation and all these things that they'll all be working together. Uh, you know, there'll be, there will really be. I'm, I'm going blank on words here. There'll be assembly lines and, and Dad, I want to build a factory to make pink polka dotted ping pong paddles. It's a business, at least, I guess. I don't know if there's much demand for it, but okay. Um, his dad does it. He has the money. He ha- already has some of the factories and stuff. He starts, you know, he, he does it, and he gives his son the business. He says, well, you know, go for it. I hope you, you promise you tell me someday. I hope someday you will. Um, okay. And so his son builds up this business, and, and uh, the dad's not really involved in it, but one day he gets to go visit with his son, and his son's just... Beaming from ear to ear and and he takes his dad he says I want to show you around the factory and he's showing him he's showing him where they mix the dyes and where they where they you know cut the wood and where they make all the different pads and where they assemble it and and you know how they how they do everything just right and transport it from, from place to place and it's just a it, the dad's very impressed with how huge the operation is he doesn't understand because there just can't be that big of a supply for pink polka dotted ping pong paddles so he doesn't know why his son's making so many but the, the factory is just full of them everywhere and uh as uh, as the, he's driving around on a golf cart and there's there's like a, a little tram that transports them, you know, in, in these huge in these huge uh containers all over the all over the factory and as they're going and he's pointing out different parts of the building to his dad, different parts of the business and telling him about it, suddenly one of the one of the trams slips off its track a little bit and, and the pink, pink polka dotted ping pong paddles spill just everywhere and there's just and it, it causes a chain reaction different different vehicles transporting they start just crash, and, and and then the the uh golf cart that they're driving tips over sideways and the son smashes his head on the ground there's blood the dad is the dad is you know injured but he's all right but the son is is not in good shape at all and the an ambulance comes and rushes his son to the hospital and dad's coming up close behind you know he, he goes into the hospital and he's seeing his son laying there in the hospital it's a terrible scene and he sees his son and, and, you know, on life support and just, he's, a, he's awake, he's still aware, but he's, he's not able to move much, and he goes to his son, he says, son, I just, he's like, what can I do? What can I do? And He says, ping, ping pong? And his dad says, why? Why? Why have you wanted these ping pong, pink polka dotted ping pong paddles all your life? What is the reason? Let's, let's come, come closer. <laughs> the end. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. You guys have a great day. Be blessed. Are we gonna do the are we gonna do our <laughs> <laughs>